Welcome to Content Insiders, brought to you by Acrolinks, the AI-powered platform that eliminates content chaos and delivers strategy-aligned content at enterprise scale. For more information on Acrolinks, stay tuned at the end of this broadcast, or visit us at www.acrolinks.com. In this episode, Acrolinks CEO Volker Smith will speak with Chris Saunders, founder and principal at A, and me, Chris Willis, CMO of Acrolinks, about how enterprises must start looking at content as an asset to their business, and from there, how they can maximize the value of that asset. So, good morning. For me, it's more good afternoon or late afternoon. It's getting late here back in Germany. I am Volker Smith, Chief Executive Officer of Aqualings, um, joined by Chris Willis, our Chief Marketing Officer today, and you, Cruz, uh, on an interview where we try to talk about the value of content in general. So let me hand it over to you, Cruz, for your introduction, and then maybe you, introduce, uh, you hand it over to Chris, and then we go straight into the topic. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, Volker. I'm Chris Saunders, uh, founder at A, which is at simplea.com. We are a global consultancy working in this area of content supply chain optimization. So we work with the largest enterprises in the world on some of the biggest content asset stockpiles in the world, helping them to move content from producer through management through omni-channel delivery, increasingly into some form of personalized variants in a modular form. And uh, so we've been doing that for a number of years. And so along the way, we've had to look at content value and systems uh, with a lot of organizations. And and so I'm looking forward to our conversation about value today. Awesome. And that's, that's, I think, why we really wanted to have you join us today. Um, This is, uh, I'm Chris Willis. I'm the Chief Marketing Officer at Acrolinks. And um, this is a pivotal episode of Content Insider. It's essentially setting the, the stage for the things that we're going to talk uh, about all season. Uh, and specifically, looking at content in the enterprise as an asset. It's not a thing that just happens. There's value in it. There's a spend associated with it, even if it's a headcount spend. Um, and helping companies to understand that what they're doing is really the value of their organization. If you think about a, a, a major enterprise with a huge e-commerce website, the, the value of the content on their website is in the tens of millions of dollars, if not more. I and mean, we have one customer that's in the billions. And that's, it, it goes overlooked. And, and I think that's what we wanna to bring to the surface is that um, content isn't just a thing that happens. It's not just a thing that gets thrown up someplace. It's the lifeblood of the business. Volker, I think you have a, a quote that you like about water. Yeah, yeah, true. So let me use that, that term or that phrase that I learned long before I joined actually Aqualinks when I got prepared myself. I, I read a piece of content from Accenture Digital, a lady that is called Donna Tuth, and she has produced a piece that is called content is the HTO of a modern enterprise. So she is essentially referred to content as being the water of an enterprise. So life essential for an enterprise. And I like that term and it actually inspired me a lot. And the more I looked into the, into the area, the more I was surprised to say the least 
about the lack of consideration of value of content. I'll give you an example and then hand it over to you, Cruz. Um, I think on average, this world runs about 1.7 billion websites, 50 billion pieces of content that Google crawls every month. And if I boil it down to a typical enterprise website, let's say a life sciences company, they have between 2 million and 2.5 million pages um, on a website, a global at scale uh, life sciences company. And on about 90% of their pages, they talk about their products. And if we only assume, which is the very low end of the estimate, that every page of content has cost $1,000, if I do the math, I think this company sits at a $2.5 billion asset of content. So number one, that asset is nowhere on the balance sheet. Number two, it's not a budget line item anywhere. It has a complete lack of control. And also there's value associated to it, generating a positive customer experience, a positive NPS score. It can, for OTC drugs, drive leads in a multi-channel environment. But poorly governed, it can also imply some degree of risk and risk has associated costs. So here's an example of an enterprise that sits on an unknown 2.5 billion um, content asset piece and can probably not express what the value of that asset is, let alone managing, govern it or controlling it uh, for the best outcome. Why is that cruise and how can we jointly start to change it? It comes down to the way spend happens around content. Why content gets lost is because spend is based on in-quarter P&L oriented spends where content production is a uh, expendable cost, but the asset value of what is produced never gets accrued to the balance sheet in literal terms. And because of that, the, the CFO's perspective, it says that $2 billion that's been spent just gets spread out among a lot of different departments, functions, product groups, uh, international teams. They, they, they don't look at it as a portfolio. They don't look at it in aggregate and they certainly don't measure it on a per asset basis. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I would go so, so far as to say that when they've spent the money, all they've created is potential value. The creation of content is itself not value producing. It is only the consumption of content mm -hmm. that is value producing. And so the content has to be quality and has to be in an environment that's managed for risk and has to be able to be provided to channels and has to be able to be uh, understood on an asset basis, not just on a consumption or page basis, mm -hmm. um, in order to be able to cross that chasm from P&L thinking to balance sheet thinking. You have to be able to, to fundamentally change the way we look at content and measure it as an institutional uh, uh, really cornerstone. Uh, because as you pointed out, uh, 
a lot of organizations derive most of their top line revenue from content interactions of some kind, some sort of customer experience. So that is behavior that's moving on the basis of content. That behavior, that consumption event creates the value. And so when, the, when Google originates a new uh, uh, entrance into a website, um, Volker, as you know, running a, previously running a, a, a company in the search business, that, that, that there's tremendous cost that, that people put into Google Ads to get people to come to visit their content versus a competitor's. So if an organic content asset is able to bring in that result, resulting uh, entrance, site entrance, that I would otherwise be willing to pay $50 for, my content has produced $50 in value. Yeah. And so that's, you know, that's just one example of the generative and obviously traceable value of content that isn't traced today. Absolutely. I mean, it's... This came about, for us at least, because you know, I'm in a conversation talking about efficiency. We can increase the efficiency of your content creation. We can help you save money. And the response back was, oh, what, what money? What do you mean? <laughs> and if I go further and I show you an ROI model and I show you a big number at the bottom of it, the question is, is somebody going to write me this? I don't have this. Like You're telling me I'm going to save $50 million as an enterprise. I don't have that kind of budget. Show me where that is. And it's, I mean, like you say, it's not a thing that we're paying for. It's a thing that people do when they come to work. I create content. You create content. We're all doing it sitting at our desk. And it's largely lost that that's the base of the business. It's the framework of how you generate revenue, how you keep customers, um, how you invite new people to have customer experiences. It's all the content that's being created by these people and not identifying the value of that yeah. is, is a step towards not being able to have a conversation. All these companies that are, that are out there trying to talk about content marketing technology, like, you're missing the top of the pyramid we haven't identified that this is a thing of value yet. And, and I think we have to do that. So I would fully agree with both of you. And now provocative statement, our question number two is, and I have worked for global companies, for Fortune 100 companies. And I know what the typical behavior of Fortune 100 companies is, is if they see a need to control something, what they normally do is they create a global function for it give you an example. Supply chain is today a global function. It doesn't sit in a business uh, unit. It sits as a global function. And over the course of the last three decades, I think global companies have reduced their supply chain centers by 80% and have consolidated a lot to gain more efficiency, more control, more speed, more agility, in essence, more value. Another example would be facilities. A global company probably runs like 500 different facilities around the world. And over time, enterprises have learned, oh, there's a lack of control. Every country does whatever they want to do. It's complete inefficient. And uh, we have square foot allocation per employee in China that is X and in the US it's Y. So what they do is they create a global function. They start to manage and control 
the destiny and the outcome of that asset value. Are we in a phase now, Cruz, where we have the belief that managing the efficiency, or in other words, the cost of creating the content and also managing and controlling the output of content will be similar to the examples on the supply chain and the facility management in global companies? 100%. It's, and, and it's happening now. I mean, in, in many of our clients, there are now functions that didn't exist a year ago or two years ago. Uh, global omni-channel uh, groups, uh, global customer experience groups that facilitate cross-silo, cross-functional content interactions and leverage supply chain and infrastructure investments across these groups. So that way, we're in, in enabling the knowledge interactions between an enterprise and its customers, partners, and its larger ecosystem in the most efficient way possible. Our world is mediated in largely digital terms and communicated through channels that are more and more malleable every day. We have voice interactions taking over our consumer lives. Voice interactions will absolutely take over our enterprise lives. There's nothing to say that the content production, which is topical to a voice interaction, should be produced in a separate silo and copied and pasted between voice and, uh, and various renditions of that same topic, that same content. If I need to resolve an issue in a software or I need to manage a chargeback process or I need to understand the benefit of a feature before I buy uh, a, a, a router, any of those functions are topic-oriented content interactions that happen across channels. They, they, might, they might happen in a chatbot, in a voice box, in, in multiple languages, in multiple places on different devices. I need to be able, as an enterprise content owner, to orchestrate that as a global function. And Volker, I 100% agree that the enterprise will adopt global content operations. In fact, we proposed an entire uh, organizational structure for that we call the content services organization. And we are uh, putting these in place inside of some of our enterprise clients uh, today. And that is uh, ideally situated in an orchestrating role uh, where it manages the structure and semantic standards and the asset value and, under, and, and assessment standards uh, for content assets on a global basis, while the local content production happens in the individual functions. Um, that way there's a way to organize and manage the abstraction and the value at a global level, but not control the individual content production that has to happen in the field and on the edge. And this is what enterprises constantly struggle with. The spend you talked about, it's just spread out. It's just spread out in all these places. It's like they're producing content in, in APAC for campaigns that are being you know, hatched out of San Jose, but, but they're being really executed by the field teams. And so they need to be able to work against some of the same ways of infrastructure and supply chain that you talked about, rather than uh, have to recreate the entire infrastructure for their plumbing of the content. You, you talked about water. It would be like giving the field the, 
you have to you have to use water, but I want you to to create a a water processing plant and innovate all the plumbing, all the fixtures, all the fittings. We're not going to give you any standards to how any of that's going to work together. You're going to reinvent water infrastructure in every market you operate in every time. Correct. <laughs> yeah, mission impossible. So I, I, I think all of us would agree. So that's the one thing that um, there's, there's content everywhere and there's content in silos. And the best representation of silo is that I think on average, Chris, we find in every of our customer situations, I don't know, up to 50 different repositories where people store uh, content. By the way, these are the ones that they know. Exactly. There's probably a much larger number of repositories that they don't know that exist. And so over time, my hypothesis would be, uh, as you said, global functions. Um, the content silos need to be broken down. That's my second hypothesis. Uh, because from a user perspective, from a consumer perspective, I don't distinguish between technical content, marketing content, or other content. For me, this is all part of the user experience. And if all of that is true, Chris and Cruz, now tell me in a reporting line of a global company, so he, who is the EVP content and who does he or she report to then? Any idea, Cruz? Uh, you know, I think that organizational structure around content tends to trend towards an omni-channel leader of some kind. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that the content function reports to that omni-channel customer experience leader. And so there, there is a need to understand content as a part of customer epics and journeys and stories. Yeah. And we need to orchestrate at the story level because like you said, you know, if I'm coming into a company, I might, I might get support from one department purchasing, uh, you know, assistance from another department, upselling from another department. But to me, it's the same company. I have no idea. And, and so we have to be able to say, here's the journey we're orchestrating at, at a global level. And then marketing department, you're responsible for content in this structure against this set of, you know, of, of approaches against these semantics that we share with everybody so that we call things the same, the same campaign code, the same product ID, the same, the, the same uh, customer journey step. All of those things have to be shared from group to group, but the individual groups can work with the ingredients. The other analogy we use a lot is, uh, is food. You know, food production used to happen a very, very manual way, but then 7 billion people showed up on the planet. And, and now, you know, we, we, to be able to f create food delivery at scale, we have to automate the way that it's produced and managed and delivered. And, and so the way that restaurants do it at some scale, at, at industrial restaurants uh, that serve uh, millions of diners a year, they have a set of standard ingredients and local chefs recombine those into different dishes at the point of service. So it's that idea that there's standardized ingredients, standardized supply chain, standardized infrastructure, local preparation, local delivery. Great. I think this is an excellent summary. 
Chris and Cruz. I think we are all on the same path. I think we are jointly building this or helping to build that. And I see, like you see, I see not in marketing centric companies, like in financial industry companies, I see this function being connected to the chief customer officer more and more. They are building content strategy organizations and operations organizations because they see, why do they see the content of value? Simply said, because in wealth management, the CPC for a single keyword can be above a hundred euros or a hundred dollars. That's a good expression of value of something, right? Like in wealth management, you could think every lead is, can be worth tens of thousands, if not more um, dollars or euros. So really enjoyed the conversation. Would actually like to repeat this and go into the next degree of detail. And uh, let's stay in touch. Let's stay safe and healthy uh, during the time. And hopefully at some point, I don't know whether this happens this year, but person meeting to get together, sit down, think it through and sketch it out and continue to promote it would be lovely. Cruz, many thanks for your contribution and Chris to you. And um, let's continue to build it. Let's continue to build it. Thank you, Volker. Appreciate the time. Thank you, Chris. Meet Peter Page. He's just your average piece of enterprise content, ready to engage, educate, and convert your target audience. But in the process of getting to your audience, your content has to pass through different teams and layers of approval. If your enterprise doesn't have a practice of active content governance, things can get messy. Content chaos happens when your content has a different style, tone or terminology depending on who writes it and where it is written. Maybe your content lacks a native level fluency or different teams use different words and phrases to describe your product to consumers. Content chaos slows down your content release schedule, impacts your budget, your brand awareness and your revenue. That's where Acrolinks comes in. Our platform captures the way your enterprise communicates, aligns your content with your guidelines and analyzes the performance of your entire content operation. We're an AI-powered platform that solves content chaos and delivers strategy-aligned content at scale. It supports development and product teams to write fluent, simple documentation and UI strings with maximum efficiency. Helps your marketing teams write consistent, engaging content for different target audiences across different channels. And gives customer success teams more time to create knowledge articles and support content that customers can find and understand. Using the power of active content governance, Acrolinks manages content chaos so clear content gets to the right audience faster. Unify your content creators, experience efficient content creation at scale and deliver better content faster with Acrolinks. Contact us at www.acrolinks.com